from KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. There is one race in Oregon getting a lot of national attention. It's the race between Congressman Peter DeFazio and a rising star in the Republican Party, Alex Scarlatos from Roseburg. DeFazio has represented the 4th District since 1986, but he's facing a formidable challenge from the Army veteran who, at just 28 years old, has received international fame. It could be DeFazio's toughest political battle yet. Peter DeFazio was in his third term in Congress when his Republican challenger, Alex Scarlatos, was born. In his 17th term, DeFazio is the fourth most senior Democrat in the House and the chair of the powerful House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. And should Joe Biden win the White House, Congressman DeFazio is seen as a key player in Biden's infrastructure plans. Scarlatos from Roseburg is a former National Guardsman. He gained international fame after he and two fellow service members helped stop a terrorist attack on a train bound for Paris in 2015. He starred as himself in a Clint Eastwood movie about the incident and finished third in a Dancing with the Stars competition the same year. The star power and challenge to the veteran House Democrat has attracted big money and put Oregon's 4th District in the national spotlight. It's located in the southwestern part of Oregon, including Coos, Benton, Douglas, Lane, and Curry counties, as well as parts of Lynn and Josephine counties. Described as a purple district, it's closely divided and includes the college towns of Eugene and Corvallis, as well as towns in timber country and along the southern Oregon coast. Donald Trump narrowly lost the district in 2016. Election forecasters have changed this race from a likely Democrat win to leaning Democrat, and it could end up being the most expensive congressional race in Oregon's history. And I'm pleased to welcome as my first guest, Alex Scarlatos. We'll hear from Congressman Peter DeFazio in our next segment. Welcome to Straight Talk, your first time here. We appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Let's go back five years to the incident on the train where you and your fellow service members stopped a terrorist attack. After that incident, in the years that followed, did you ever dream you would be running for Congress? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, politics was probably the farthest thing from my mind. I never wanted to get involved in politics. I think it's a very dirty business. And uh, honestly, I think the only thing that tipped the scale for me to get involved was just seeing how tough of a time my congressional district has had it over the last, well, frankly, 34 years that Peter DeFazio has been in office. We're now the poorest congressional district in the state. And of course, we have the huge wildfires uh, that are getting worse every year that no one has done anything to solve. Well, the congressman is one of the most senior House members chairing the powerful Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Why do you think voters in the 4th District would be better served if you were their representative? Well, I mean, kind of like I said, if DeFazio was doing a good job, I wouldn't be running for Congress. I mean, at the end of the day, he's had 34 years to effect change in Oregon's 4th Congressional District. And as a result, we are the poorest congressional district in the state, have incredibly high homelessness rates. In fact, Eugene uh, City Limits has the highest homelessness rate per capita in the country. And of course, um, 
I mean, we even have high child abuse rates and uh, unemployment rates, and our forest management is abysmal. And the ONC laws, which are a little bit obscure but affect only Western Oregon, are how a lot of counties get funding in Western Oregon. And as a result of not managing our forest properly and letting it burn and not even salvage logging to prevent future forest fires, uh, that affects the county base and uh, or the tax base for the counties. Let's talk about the coronavirus pandemic. What are your thoughts about how the nation and Oregon have responded to the pandemic? Has it been enough? Has it been too much? Um, I think with our initial reaction, um, we had perfectly good reason to be incredibly cautious about this disease. But now that we're having to deal with this disease more long term, we need to modify our response. I mean, to put it simply, we can't afford to stay locked down forever. I mean, we're passing these trillion dollar bailout packages and small businesses across this country are going bankrupt or out of business because we can't afford to maintain this overly defensive posture. I mean, don't get me wrong, if there's an outbreak in a certain part of the country or a certain city, they should absolutely lock down. But in some of the rural parts of this country and rural parts of the state of Oregon, we need to start at least thinking about how we're going to open back up and deal with this problem long term. So do you think businesses, schools, churches should be open without any requirements, even though right now we are seeing the highest number of cases since the pandemic started? Well, I don't believe that it should be locked down permanently. I mean, if they're going to open back up, absolutely, there should be some basic requirements when it comes to hand sanitizing and social distancing, of course. But at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of places are still shut down or at very minimum capacity. And there's some counties here in Oregon that have no active cases whatsoever. And I mean, it's just a balancing act between shutting down our economy and ruining people's lives or infecting people with coronavirus. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think either extreme is not the right answer, but I think we do need to at least consider how we're going to deal with this problem long term. When there is a coronavirus vaccine approved by the FDA, will you take it? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it depends on if it's safe. Um, but yes, I mean, I probably would. You mentioned the, the coronavirus relief package. Congressional members have left D.C. without passing another coronavirus stimulus package before the election. Do you support another relief package to help unemployed Oregonians and small business owners? Yes, in part. I mean, I do believe in stimulus for small businesses and actual citizens. But unfortunately, a lot of it's going towards big business like some of the 2008 ballot packages did. And at the end of the day, I don't believe in adding trillions of dollars to the national debt. As a younger person and as a millennial running for Congress, the national debt is something that I'm going to have to deal with for a lot longer period of time. And it's something that really our chickens are going to come home to roost uh, sooner rather than later. And I mean, we've already added trillions of dollars to the national debt with coronavirus response. Uh, we're going to have to look at something else long term instead of just throwing money at the problem. Do you support any amount of benefits for out-of-work Oregonians who are struggling? More unemployment benefits? Not necessarily, simply because there's a lot of businesses that are trying to open up that can't find employees due to the added coronavirus unemployment benefits. Let's turn to, to health care, to the Affordable Care Act. You said you would vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And next month, the Supreme Court will be considering a case which could overturn the ACA. Do you want to see the Affordable Care Act thrown out? 
as long as it's replaced uh, with something comparable and we can protect people with pre-existing conditions, absolutely. The Affordable Care Act has been incredibly expensive, especially for people that have to buy their own health care or small business owners. And I think we definitely need a better solution. Thousands of Oregonians on the Oregon Health Plan would lose their coverage if the ACA goes away, including about 300,000 Oregonians with pre-existing conditions. So what is your plan uh, to replace the ACA? Do you have a specific plan? Oh, as long as we can protect people with pre-existing conditions, absolutely, and allow people to buy their own health insurance and compete across state lines. I think opening up competition is one of the key ways to allow costs to go down while at the same time not barring people from certain health insurance plans that could benefit them. Well, analysts are, are skeptical that buying health insurance across state lines will do very much to bring down costs or cover people with pre-existing conditions. Do you have any more specific plan than that? Well, I don't know why we wouldn't try it. I mean, why would you limit yourself? Uh, I mean, I believe in free market. I'm a capitalist. I think that we should allow companies to compete across state lines. And you know what, if it doesn't reduce the cost, at least we tried, and then we can look at something else. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Affordable Care Act is adding significant healthcare costs. And I know almost everybody I know that has had to buy their own healthcare plan has seen their premiums go up, not down. Your opponent has ads that say you don't favor a minimum wage. What is your position on a minimum wage? <laughs> well, I don't uh, agree with minimum wage increases on a federal level, and I don't believe, frankly, in a, a federal minimum wage. I don't believe that a congressman from Oregon has any right to tell Nebraska what their minimum wage should be. Oregon already has a significantly higher minimum wage than the federal limit, and it hasn't really done us any good. I mean, like I said, we're already the poorest congressional district in the state. I would look at creating more living and family wage jobs here in Oregon's fourth congressional district uh, to just bring up competition for employees and hopefully increase wages. The federal minimum is 725 an hour. If there's no federal minimum, it's possible it could go below that. Are you okay with that? Well, I just think that it should be up to the individual states. I mean, like I said, if Nebraska thinks that 725 is too high or too low, it should be up to that state to determine what, the, what their minimum wage is. Again, as a congressman from Oregon, it would not be my business what other states pay their employees. There have been a few news articles this week in which some Democratic groups are questioning whether you might be associated with extremist groups like the Proud Boys and QAnon because of your attendance at some rallies where members were present. <laughs> to clear things up for voters, for the record, will you disavow the Proud Boys, a far-right group with a history of violent confrontations? Uh, I mean, I disavow any group of violent <laughs> confrontations. I disavow the Proud Boys. I disavow Antifa. I mean, I would challenge Peter DeFazio to do the same. Anchored, that article was written because I attended a Timber Unity rally. That's an anti-Captain trade movement here in the state of Oregon. It has nothing to do with QAnon or the Proud Boys or any kind of white supremacy organization. So you disavow the Proud Boys specifically? Yes, and, and all the ones I mentioned. Oh, let me ask you about QAnon then, because Newsweek and Salon also reported you shared a photo on Facebook in June that showed you in a photo with people holding an American flag with a phrase associated with group QAnon on it. Will you disavow QAnon and its baseless conspiracy theories? Again, I already did. Um, but yes, um, I was again attending the Timber Unity rally, which was an anti-cap and trade movement. I took photos with many people there, some of whom had 
QAnon phrases on their signs. Um, but again, I'm not part of that movement. And I was attending the Timber Unity Rally to stop the cap and trade uh, tax increase that the government's uh, Democrats were trying to pass here in Oregon. And that was why I was there speaking at that rally. I know veterans is really a big focus for you, being a veteran yourself. What do you want to do if you go to Congress for veterans? Well, specifically in Oregon's 4th Congressional District, we have very difficult times accessing the VA, especially veterans on the coast, and especially older Vietnam veterans and even World War II veterans. I would look at either putting clinics on the coast for those veterans or bringing back some sort of busing program. So a lot of these sometimes aging veterans or veterans who don't have the funds to commute two or three hours to the, uh, the VAs on the I-5 corridor can at least have access to them. We're about out of time, but would you like to say something to the people of the 4th District? We have about 45 seconds. Well, I mean, like I said, Peter DeFazio has run this district into the ground over the course of his 34 years in office. If he was going to do anything for us, he would have done it by now. Um, we need responsible force management. We need to turn the economy around of Oregon's 4th Congressional. And I think I'm the one to do that. I mean, I wouldn't be running for office if I didn't think Peter DeFazio was doing a terrible job. And I think we are ready for a change. I mean, this is a very toss-up competitive district. And Peter DeFazio votes with AOC 96% of the time, and he co-sponsored the Green New Deal. I mean, he's the chairman of transportation and infrastructure and can't get his own bill out of his own committee. He's way too far left for a district like this, and he does not represent rural Oregon any longer. Alex Scarlatos, thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk, and thank you for your service. For more on where Alex Scarlato stands on the issues, check out his website, alecfororegon.com. Coming up next, Congressman Peter DeFazio joins us. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're taking a look at the race in Oregon's 4th Congressional District. We heard from Republican challenger Alex Scarlatos in our first segment. Now I'm pleased to welcome Oregon Congressman, Democrat Peter DeFazio. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's great to have you here, Congressman. Thanks, Laurel. Thanks for having me back. You are facing a tough race with Republican Alex Scarlatos. We've seen a lot of competing ads on TV from both your campaigns. Some political analysts have called this the race of your political life. How would you describe it? Well, it is the most expensive house race in the history of Oregon because of the amount of money that has been showered on this young man. Uh, so it's a, it is a, a very competitive race. My district is uh, purple at best. Uh, and, uh, you know, partisan attitudes have hardened. Uh, you know, I ran, Hillary only won by 552 votes. I won by uh, tens of thousands, but partisan attitudes have hardened since then. Uh, so I'm not getting uh, as many uh, crossover Republicans. So it's, it's a tough race. Uh, obviously, I'll do very well with Democrats. Uh, we are working very hard on independents and uh, some moderate Republicans. Well, let me follow up on that because your district is becoming increasingly red, especially mm -hmm. on the coast. And as you referred to, Donald Trump only lost your district in 2016 by one tenth of a point. Your opponent says it's time for a change, that you're too far to the left. Do you feel you're fairly representing the more conservative <laughs> interests of your district? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't go to one part of the district and say, I'm going to protect your health care and then go on uh, Fox News and say, I want to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. I don't believe in government health care. Uh, I don't go to one part of my district and say, I want to help you folks out. I want to boost you up. 
and then I don't go on right wing. And then he goes on right wing media and says, cut the minimum wage. The government should not set a minimum wage. Really? Uh, you know, so I have always gone around my district and told people what I do, what I believe, how I'm going to vote and why I'm going to vote. And many times I've had Republicans walk up to me and say, well, I didn't agree with that. But at least I know where you stand, unlike other politicians. We're seeing coronavirus cases surge nationwide and here in Oregon. And Congress left D.C. without approving another coronavirus aid bill. What can you tell people in your district about if and when they'll see another relief package? Well, the House uh, voted for a very robust package in May. Uh, I supported that. Uh, I was one who convinced the speaker since uh, they objected to the price tag to reduce the price tag and bring it up again uh, just a few weeks ago. And we did. Uh, and there have been ongoing negotiations since then. Uh, my opponent said before the Eugene Rotary, do you believe in any additional COVID assistance? And he said, quote, in short, no, I do not. 108,000 people who work in small business got payroll passed through uh, through the first program. That's expired. Uh, we had many, many thousands on uh, the expanded uh, federal unemployment. I think 20,000. That's gone. Uh, all of these things are contained in the bill we passed in the House, uh, which the Speaker is trying to negotiate. But Mitch McConnell is saying no. Uh, she reached essential agreement with Mnuchin about a week ago. Uh, but when the House uh, bill drafters sat down with the Senate drafters, they said, well, we, Mnuchin doesn't represent our interests. Uh, we don't want to do anything. So, uh, you know, we're being blocked by the Senate. And uh, my opponent has joined with that group. Uh, Ted Cruz is leading that group. Ted Cruz has given him 100000 bucks. Let's turn our attention to health care. The U.S. Supreme Court will begin hearing a case involving the Affordable Care Act on November 10th. And it's possible the court could overturn the ACA. If that happens, what will you do to make sure people don't lose their health care coverage, especially those with pre-existing conditions? Uh, we'll pass legislation to restore health care. I think a better health care plan, one more like the first one we passed in the House. Remember, the House plan was infinitely uh, superior to the ACA. We had national exchanges uh, with nonprofit government plans. The, the premiums would have been way cheaper. It included my provision to take away the antitrust immunity of the health insurance industry. We got stuck with the Senate bill because Bobby Kennedy died. The Senate has a stupid filibuster rule and we had to take their bill or leave it. And taking it was better than nothing. Uh, it certainly helped millions of people. But I said from day one, this needs improvement. And in 10 years, when the Republicans took over in 10 until they lost last year, they voted to repeal it 71 times. And they said, well, don't worry, we'll repeal and replace. They never offered to replace. Trump, for five years, was saying, repeal and replace. He has not offered a replace. And now my opponent says, repeal and replace. I guess he's going to be the man who can write the replace, unlike every other Republican House member, senator, and president of the United States, the Secretary of Health and Human Services. I don't think so. You've co-sponsored legislation for a Medicare for All plan. Some voters, when they hear Medicare for All or single payer, they think it means too much government involvement, that they'll lose their private insurance, that it's too expensive. The Hill estimates $32 trillion over 10 years. What do you tell voters concerned about all that? Uh, we need to have universal uh, health care in America. We need to join the rest of the world in having uh, inexpensive universal health care. Uh, you know, we could do that. 
uh, very easily. We're not, the, the government isn't going to run the hospitals. It's not going to run the doctors. It's going to run the insurance plan, just like it runs Medicare today. Uh, you know, 40 million seniors are dependent upon Medicare, uh, just like it runs Medicaid and, uh, and a substantial portion of the Oregon Health Plan is paid for by the federal government uh, today. And just like it runs veterans health care, which also needs some improvement, but it is, uh, it is a good system and veterans like that system. So we could do a government insurance plan that covers everybody for less money than the private for-profit health insurance industry, which by the way, is exempt from antitrust law. And just four weeks ago, I brought up a bill in the House of Representatives to take away their antitrust immunity. Consumers Union says that will save consumers billions and billions of dollars every year. And it passed the House unanimously, the most bitter partisan Congress in history. And every Republican supported my bill. Of course, it stalled in the Senate. That's, that's rare uh, to have uh, all that support. Uh, your opponent <laughs> has attacked you for supporting the Green New Deal, a sweeping plan to cut fossil fuel emissions that an opposition ad claims could kill the timber industry. What's your message to your constituents in Oregon timber country? Uh, the Green New Deal was hortatory language. I've applied it in my infrastructure bill, which would create uh, millions of jobs and move us away from fossil fuels. I happen to believe climate change is an existential threat to the future of the planet. And these wildfires we had this last year, those weren't natural, they're not normal. Uh, what, you know, the towns of Talent and Phoenix burned, they're not even forested. The Mackenzie River Corridor has never had a stand replacement fire in history or prehistory. You know, hurricane force winds, 6% humidity, this is driven by climate change. Record dryness, driven by climate change. So we have to deal with climate change. And my infrastructure bill does that, but it also creates uh, millions of jobs. In terms of timber, uh, trees actually sequester carbon. Uh, so particularly now with cross-laminated timber, where we can build, I guess, 15-story or taller buildings, replacing concrete, which is uh, contributes 7% uh, to our carbon pollution in this country, uh, we could be building them uh, with cross-laminated timber, which will sequester the carbon for as long as that building stands. Uh, so I think it has a potential boom for the timber industry in Oregon with these new products. We only have about a minute for this question. Uh, like Portland, Eugene in your district has also seen civil unrest and weeks of racial justice demonstrations following the killing of George Floyd. The opposition says you support defunding the police. You've said that's not true. What police reforms do you support in about a minute? Uh, George Floyd Act uh, pr prohibited racial profiling, uh, banned choking crowded holds, except when the life of the officers endangered. Uh, set up a registry to follow bad cops so they don't go to another agency and start working again. Required them to use federal funds for body cameras. That guy wouldn't have stood on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes if he had a body camera on or his colleagues had body cameras on. It didn't defund the police. In fact, I support giving them new tools like Cahoots and Eugene, they take 20% of the 911 calls. The police don't want to re respond to people in the street who are having a mental health crisis, who aren't dangerous or, uh, or a drug crisis. Uh, and uh, we need to have more things like Cahoots. They will help the police, not defund the police. And the chief of Eugene thinks it's a great augmentation. And why then I have introduced a bill to have national Cahoots programs helping cities and police. Congressman, I want to give you about 45 seconds to uh, leave a final message with voters in the 4th District. Well, thanks, Laurel. You know, I've worked hard in this very diverse district over many, many years. Uh, I don't BS people. 
Uh, I, I'm going to tell them what I'm going to do, why I'm going to do it. Uh, I've brought, uh, you know, economic development jobs uh, to the coast and the rest of my district, and I'll continue to do that, particularly now that I'm chairman of the Transportation Infrastructure Committee uh, with a bill uh, for uh, dredging our, our harbors, rebuilding our jetties, uh, for with another bill to rebuild uh, our crumbling bridges and highways uh, and, uh, and help with wastewater systems. So uh, I'm asking for your vote one more time to go back and continue the fight. Thank you, Congressman DeFazio. To find out more about where Congressman Peter DeFazio stands on the issues, check out his website, defazioforcongress.org. And we thank you for watching and listening. Remember, you can download our podcast. It's available wherever you get podcasts. Search for KGW Straight Talk. Next week, we'll bring you analysis of the 2020 election results. Remember to vote, and we will have coverage for you on November 3rd. Have a great week.